Are you a fan of the Harry Potter Therapy Podcast? Do you want more episodes, more magic, and more guests? Do you want our show to reach and inspire more of those in need? Well, we can really use your support. If you would like to help us in our mission to spread awareness and destigmatize mental health struggles, we ask that you please subscribe, rate, review, and share our podcast with friends, family, and folks you might think would enjoy and benefit from our content. Most importantly, please consider joining our Patreon community and becoming a contributor. As one of our Patreon contributors, you will get access to exclusive content, announcements, videos, and more. You will join a community of like-minded pop culture enthusiasts that celebrate our connections to our favorite movies, TV shows, icons, and superheroes. As a contributor, you will also be helping us support mental health charities as 15% of our proceeds are donated monthly. To join our Patreon community, go to www.patreon.com, make an account, search for Superhero Therapy, and select one of our tiers. Now, on with the show. Have you ever wished for magical powers? Do you still await your Hogwarts acceptance letter? Well, welcome to Hogwarts. You are magical. And this is your invitation to join us in exploring the psychology behind the most magical series, Harry Potter. Welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. Hello, all you magical people out there, and thank you so much for tuning in to Harry Potter Therapy. I'm your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time witch. So today, we get to actually talk about one of the coolest chapters and the coolest monsters in the whole series. The most terrifying one. Yeah, most definitely. We are going to be covering Prisoner of Azkaban, Chapter 5, The Dementor. So this chapter starts out with Harry being escorted to Hogwarts by Ministry of Magic officials in a bunch of Ministry of Magic cars. It appears Harry has become a very important person. Besides the anxiety of realizing that an escaped prisoner wants to kill him, how do you think this attention affects someone like Harry? I mean, Harry is someone that was taught that attention is bad. For 10 years living with the Dursleys, anytime the attention was on him, that meant that he would be beaten, punished, or abused. That didn't really change when he got to Hogwarts in terms of anytime attention is on him, Draco Malfoy and his cronies tend to use it as an opportunity to bully and make fun of Harry and his friends. And so I imagine that... For Harry, somebody who is not attention-seeking, this kind of an extra precaution is likely to make him very uncomfortable. Harry, Ron, and Hermione are a little bit late, and they are forced to choose the last compartment available, and it is occupied by a man who is sleeping against the wall. It is here that we are introduced to the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, Professor R.J. Lupin. Come on, everywhere else is full. Who do you think that is? Professor R.J. Lupin. You know everything. How is it she knows everything? It's on a suitcase, Ronald. Oh. We'll get into a deeper discussion about Lupin in a later chapter, I'm sure, but what are your thoughts about Lupin as he appears in this chapter? I actually love that we had a portrayal of a professor, of a teacher, who doesn't look posh, right? Who doesn't Mm -hmm. look chic. Because the truth is, teachers are the most 
underpaid and underappreciated individuals in the world and they're ones that should be paid you know and appreciated as much as doctors and lawyers mm -hmm. because they're sacrificing so much to educate their students personally in all the series i think lupin is the best professor that we meet at mm -hmm. hogwarts he's one that's most dedicated to helping every student learn he goes out of his way to help students learn in the way that they can learn and making students feel supported and welcomed and comfortable and I think that there's an assumption if, that if someone is a professor that they might be making a lot of money, but the truth is that's not true. A lot of people that go into the education field do it because they love to teach, they love giving back, they love working with children. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't realize how underappreciated and underpaid a lot of teachers are so I actually really appreciated that we got to see this very real side of what a lot of educators go through he's just a wonderful character and I can't wait to get into him later it appears that Harry prefers to confide in his friends and is really honest with them do you think he's really asleep seems to be why I've got to tell you something let me get this straight Sirius Black has escaped from Azkaban to come after you. Yeah. But they'll catch Black, won't they? I mean, everyone's looking for him. Sure. Except no one's ever broken out of Azkaban before, and he's a murderous, raving lunatic. Thanks, Ron. I think it's so important to feel comfortable enough with others and have enough trust in them to share any secrets you have. Unlike Harry in this situation, I've also heard that some people believe that they should hold secrets from those they love to protect them. Can you discuss the layers of trust through these two different approaches? Absolutely. I think some people are raised erroneously to think that they should keep everything from everyone else that it's a weakness if they share something or that it would be a burden for other people. In addition, some people might think that if they share something of themselves with someone else, it makes them look weak or vulnerable in a bad way somehow, and that they need to pretend like things are always going well. We see this kind of an attitude from the Dursley family and also from the Malfoy family, right? Constantly trying to pretend to feel and be in a way that they're not. And unfortunately, it constantly puts on a fake facade and it creates really inauthentic relationships with other people. I think that it's actually one of his strengths. I think that the more we share with people that we love, the more we can be ourselves. And sometimes when we cannot share ourselves with our biological family, for example, we might be able to do so with our chosen family. So for Harry, for whom Ron and Hermione and Ron's family kind of become his own chosen family, I think he feels that he can trust them because he's able to share so much of himself with them and this feeling seems to be mutual and I think it's been a very healing experience for him and in, in these past couple of years so far because he's finally found this sense of a safety net. Speaking of the safety net, while Harry, Ron, and Hermione are chatting in their compartment, Draco Malfoy and his two cronies, like you mentioned, Crab and Goyle, enter and start verbally bullying them again. But once Draco spots Lupin and Harry tells them that he's a teacher, Draco stops his behavior and they leave. 
what does this say about those who actually know that they're doing something bad to others, but continue to do it anyway? Well, you know, I think it says a lot, right? It, it says that, first of all, Draco's a coward. He's only willing to bully Harry when he knows he can get away with it. He's not willing to stand by his word. And also that he's a bully. He knows what he's doing is wrong, and he's willing to do it anyway just to put Harry down. And I think a lot of perpetrators are cowards because they tend to pick on people that they view as weaker than them. And I think in many cases, it's a really poor attempt at trying to elevate the bully's own self-esteem by putting other people down. And so we know that Draco knows his behavior is wrong. He's only willing to do it when he knows he can get away with it. And it seems like his entire purpose is to push Harry down, most likely because he's jealous of all the attention that Harry's receiving. So as they're moving along in the train, the train comes to a stop. It gets cold. It gets dark. And there's something lurking out in the darkness. Why are we stopping? We can't be there yet. What's going on? Dunno. Maybe we've broken down. Ouch, Ron, that was my foot. There's something moving out there. This chapter introduces one of the most frightening monsters in this whole series. The Dementor. This creature is dark, it's cloaked, it's menacing, and very dangerous. In an interview for the UK Times on June 30th, 2000, J.K. Rowling confirmed that the Dementors were her metaphor for depression, and that depression is the most unpleasant feeling she's ever experienced. Can you discuss this powerful metaphor and how you've used it in your own work? I think in the book, not only in this chapter, but in subsequent chapters, we see that when we encounter a Dementor, it feels like everything's cold and dark and we might relive some of our most traumatizing experiences and it feels like all the happiness is sucked out of us and it feels like things will never ever ever be okay again and if a dementor gets close enough to us right if we get the dementor's kiss then we might kind of almost lose our soul and I think for so many people that struggle with depression, that's such a powerful metaphor because it feels like we're losing our soul. It feels like we're losing our will to live and it feels like things will never be okay again. When we're in this state, we do tend to remember the worst things that we've experienced because our mind is kind of like a magnet where when we're experiencing one emotion, it might pull for all other emotions that are similar. And so when we're going through depression, it might remind us of all the other times we might have felt depressed and alone. And a lot of people think that depression means that we're feeling sad. But for a lot of people, the feeling of depression is feeling empty and feeling numb, feeling devoid of happiness and having a hard time enjoying things that we normally would. For some people, depression might come with feeling really sleepy all the time, really tired all the time. And we know that when a Dementor attack is strong enough, people almost pass out because they have no energy left. And that's what depression does. It kind of zaps the energy out of us. So many people try to ignore depression by pretending that it doesn't exist. 
but this kind of an experience doesn't work. The more we ignore something, the bigger it grows, right? If we try to pretend the Dementor is not there, we're only giving it more power. And so there's actually a little exercise that I like to do with some of my clients. And to make it less scary, I use, instead of a Dementor like the one we see in the films, I use a pink Dementor <laughs> just to make it a little bit more friendly. So I'm going to ask you to imagine that you can see a pink Dementor. So imagine this kind of cloaked figure, but imagine it looking perfectly pink, almost like a Pepto-Bismol kind of color or the color of pink cotton candy. Okay, so now that you've imagined this pink Dementor, I want you to hold it in your mind's eye. Keep picturing it. Okay. And now for the next 10 seconds or so, I'm going to ask you to imagine that you could completely erase this pink Dementor from your mind. I want you to not think of the words pink or Dementor at all. Completely suppress it, erase it, forget it. Whatever you think about, do not think of the pink Dementor at all. Ready? Go. How did that go? How did you do? I kept on seeing Pepto-Bismol bottle. <laughs> <laughs> so you kept thinking of the word pink. Um, a lot of people notice that the more they try not to think of the pink Dementor, the more it starts showing up. You can also try this exercise for a more extended period of time. But the truth is, the more we try not to think of something or not to feel something, the more it shows up. Now, feel free to try the opposite. See if you can purposely bring the pink Dementor to your mind's eye. Focus on it. And feel free to pause this podcast for about a minute or two. And during this time, do not think of anything else. Do not get distracted. Do not think of anything else other than the pink Dementor. Ready? And press pause and come back in two minutes. All right. And how did that go? And I imagine like a lot of people, you might have gotten distracted after a while. Other thoughts might have come flooding in. And the truth is, depression works the same way. Now, two minutes might not be enough to get us to be distracted from the emotion of depression. But the truth is, it's not about distraction. It's about allowing our emotions. The more we try to run away from something painful, the louder it becomes. And... The more we try to oppress our emotion, the more we oppress ourselves, really. Society, in a very oppressive kind of way, tells us that these emotions are not acceptable and not allowed. But the truth is, our emotions are a part of us. They're there for a reason. And rather than pushing ourselves down and pushing our emotions down, it's important that we allow ourselves to feel them, that we allow our emotions to be present. And over time, they become less overwhelming. Even the way that it's described or anything, the Dementor is so formidable. It's such a dark force. And the Dementor on the train seems to be focused on Harry, and it actually attacks him personally out of everybody else. Harry, you all right? Thank you. Here, eat this. It'll help. It's all right. It's chocolate. What was that thing? Okay. It was a Dementor, one of the guards of Azkaban. It's gone now. It was searching the train for Sirius Black. If you'll excuse me, I need to have a little word with the driver. 
eat, you'll feel better. What happened to me? Well, you sort of went rigid. We thought maybe you were having a fit or something. And, and did either of you two, you know, pass out? No. I felt weird, though. Like I'd never be cheerful again. But someone was screaming. A woman. No one was screaming, Harry. Can you discuss why this monster would focus on Harry out of everyone else, and why does it affect him so much? We know that multiple people can go through the same experience, like let's say a car accident or witnessing a crime, and one person may be more affected than other people. And there are many different things that play into effect here. You know, genetics might be a part of it. So somebody that had their parents or grandparents go through some kind of a trauma might be more susceptible to a trauma-like reaction, for example. So we know that descendants of Holocaust survivors are more prone to trauma reactions in their lifetimes. But also, when somebody had already been through something really traumatic and painful, like loss of loved ones or abuse, they might be more likely to be affected in a stronger way when they experience something painful in the future. So although everyone in that compartment was affected by the Dementor, Harry was affected more than others because he had been through numerous losses. He had been severely abused and he's somebody that is probably most susceptible to depression to this kind of an attack of everyone else that was in the car other than maybe Lupin who is more experienced and also more prepared. Mm -hmm. I mean the Dementor causes Harry to pass out and when Harry wakes up he's disoriented he's confused and he is the only one that seems to have been truly affected by the Dementor. Lupin offers Harry and some others he offers them some chocolate Besides the obvious, what do you think the magic of chocolate is here? We know that chocolate can actually stimulate the release of both dopamine and serotonin, both of which are helpful chemicals in helping to boost our mood and fight depression. Of course, everything in moderation, which is why Lupin only gives them a little piece of chocolate, right? <laughs> so sometimes when we're feeling really depressed, as a way of coping, we might over engage in certain foods not necessarily because we need that particular food but maybe because we don't know any other way of coping now there's nothing wrong with having an entire chocolate bar or even an entire like pint of ice cream you know but i think that sometimes it might be the only coping mechanism that we might go to and so what i'm saying here is that chocolate can be helpful for people that like chocolate or are not allergic to chocolate but there are also other coping behaviors that we can use in addition to it, such as talking to friends, such as learning some anti-dementor spells like Patronus Charm, for example, which we'll talk about in subsequent <laughs> chapters, learning for ways that we can connect with what's really meaningful, magical, and important, and receiving the support of others. Well, as you mentioned the Patronus, Lupin does a spell that makes the Dementors go away. And as the Dementors have to fade into the night, we have to fade away from this episode of Harry Potter Therapy. Again, my name is Dustin. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill or Dr. Janina Scarlett Official on Instagram. 
For all of our listeners out there, we are sending out free signed copies of Dr. Scarlett's book, Harry Potter Therapy, an unauthorized self-help book from the restricted section. To enter the drawing, all you have to do is tweet about this podcast with the hashtag Harry Potter Therapy. We will choose one lucky listener every month to receive their free copy. Unfortunately, due to high postage costs, international listeners will not be eligible for this promotion. Stay safe out there, everybody. Stay magical and take care. <laughs>